Please then turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 9. Following the reading of Scripture, we'll sing together the Gloria Patri. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. We are being reminded of how we can live a life that's of gratitude to the Lord for his deliverance from our sin and misery and taking us through the moral law. Uh, We're at the fifth commandment. The first commandment was the law of loyalty. The second commandment is the law of worship. Uh, The third commandment is the law of reverence. The fourth commandment is the law of rest. And this fifth commandment is the law of authority. Excuse me. It's a fairly simple command, uh, one of the shorter ones. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving to us. And if we reflect back on the organization of the moral law, the Ten Commandments, Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism puts it, the first four are the first table of the law. Uh, The last six, counting this one, is the second table of the law. Our duty to God and our duty to our fellow man. There are those who divide them five and five and take this commandment sort of as a bridge command. Uh, It is, of course, our duty to our fellow man, specifically our parents and those in authority. But since God is the source of authority, uh, it could be looked at as uh, the, the conclusion of the first table of the law. <clears throat> that is, what is our duty to God? But in either case, we know that the Ten Commandments, the moral law, are focused around those two chief uh, provisions. And uh, just as a reminder, out of the words of Christ, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, verse 36. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. It's the context is Jesus is being questioned uh, by those who are trying to trip him up. 
And uh, we have this question in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. <clears throat> and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so we have these two tables of the law, our duty to God and our duty to our fellow men. And we come to this fifth commandment. And uh, what is the primary focus or attention of this command? It's to, in, in basic, it's to honor authority. Honor our parents, first of all, and then honor authority in general. <clears throat> all of our Reformed confessions, almost completely all of them, have uh, the reference to this second application, that it's to our parents for sure, but also to all authority. We're to honor all authority. And I want to take that up first and talk about what it means to honor authority and then come back to honoring our parents. If you want to take your hymnals back in hand and turn to the end, page 874 in the back of the hymnal, we have our shorter catechism and question 64 is reflecting on uh, the significance of this or how we carry this out. There are other questions about the, the commandments and the fifth command, but just this one at this moment. So on page 874, question 64, what is required in the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Now, I'm not going to go into much, if anything, about how it impacts uh, the superiors taking care of the inferiors, though there's much of good thoughts in that. But just to take up the first idea, honoring authority, those authorities God has placed over us. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Here we're reminded of the civil authority that God has placed over us and how we are to consider them. <clears throat> Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, <clears throat> but also because of conscience. Peter has a parallel thought. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, 
whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. God has established a chain of command, a a progression of authority in our lives and in our world. Now, particularly thinking of civil government for the moment, it doesn't mean you have to agree with the civil government. It doesn't mean that you have to support them. It doesn't mean that you can't use legitimate means to try to change the patterns and practices of what they were doing. It doesn't even mean that you have to respect them as individuals. Uh, There sadly have been too many times, currently is too many times, when those who are in power and in authority are corrupt people. And they're they're not, you cannot respect them as individuals. But God has ordained a certain chain of command, an order of authority, and you and I are to respect that authority. And so we consider, first of all, that God is the chief primary authority. He's the the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules over all. He has absolute authority. And while men resist this at times, and even as Christians, sometimes we struggle with his providential rulings. At the same time, we know that to submit to the Lord and to, uh, to obey his governing authority is the only path of wisdom. It's the only path of well-being. It's, it's the only thing that we can do that's right and proper. And God has all authority and all power. So obviously it's, it's his power and his authority and it's honoring him that is our top priority uh, to give him praise. But then he's given other authorities, lesser authorities that are over us. Parents are an important authority in our lives. <clears throat> they, um, as, when we're, as children, they're the first authority that we have. Uh, they're the ones that govern us from our earliest days. They watch over us. They protect us. They direct us. Uh, they, they govern us. And it's a, uh, an authority that's a very important part of our lives. Uh, they, it's a delegated authority. It's authority that God has put into their hands. But it's an authority that you and I need to honor. Because it's part of God's ordering of things in our world and in our lives. Uh, when we dishonor them, when we dishonor authority, we're dishonoring God as the chief giver of authority. But then there are many other areas. There are wives to submit to their husbands, employees to submit to their employers, citizens to rulers, church members to elders who rule in the church. And submission to the chain of command is a very important thing. It's for our benefit. It's for our good and the health of our society in the health of our lives, our communities. Uh, They're so significantly important to that. But it's important for us to acknowledge, while it's important for you and I to honor the authorities, the authorities um, have a limit. There's a limit to our submission to them. There's a limit to the extent of that authority. And for example, the authorities cannot command you to sin. 
Uh, if the authorities command you to sin, it is your right and your obligation to say no. And we see a really clear example of this in the interaction of the apostles with the governing authorities in Israel at that time. Uh, after Jesus Christ had died and rose again, their calling was to preach Christ. Preach the crucified and risen Christ. Even along the way, they're identifying those who put him to death. But their calling was to preach Christ. And the governing authorities didn't like that. And so they called the apostles to them and they said, you need to quit preaching Christ. And they said, no. We must obey God rather than man. No authority has the right um, to command you to sin. Uh, another limitation is no authority can step outside their delegated arena. And their delegated role, there's, there's a, a sphere of authority that they have and they need to operate within that and we respect their authority in that. But if they step out of that, then their authority doesn't have to necessarily be followed. So for example, the government cannot command us how to worship. The one who commands us how to worship is our Lord and our God. He, through his word, he commands us how to worship. The government gets outside its realm, outside its sphere, and tries to command us how we are to worship, we need to say no. We'll worship according to what God has said. Another example, the civil government cannot step outside their sphere and take over the command of the family. They cannot start commanding as parents. That's outside their sphere. God has given the authority of the home into the hands of the parents. They're the ones that are to govern that. Now, some of you might bring up an exception. When there's abusive parents, the state may come in to protect the child take them away from the parent. It's understandable we have situations like that, but every governing authority needs to govern within their sphere, the sphere that God has directed them to. And you and I have the responsibility to honor those authorities uh, as they govern, as they've been put in place by God. The other category, the other arena, the other area is honoring our parents. This command specifically says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God has given to you. Disobedience to parents is not a new problem. Sadly, in our own era, in our own day, the disobedience of children to parents is almost expected Like, uh, well, that's obvious it's going to happen, but it doesn't have to happen. uh, And uh, it doesn't excuse the kids for doing that. But I want to read you the paragraph. One man complained, and this is what he said. 
Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and they talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. Now, who do you think said that? By asking the question, you know, it's somebody pretty long ago. That was Socrates. <clears throat> 400 years before Christ. Nothing new under the sun, right? But you and I are called on to honor our parents. How do we do that? I'm going to borrow some from Thomas Watson. His chapter on this commandment is, again, wonderful and masterful. His book on the Ten Commandments is well worth your, um, your expense. But he, he talks about honoring our parents, and he gives three, three things, three suggestions. He says, first, by a reverential esteem of their persons. In other words, just, just in their, their, their persons as our father or as our mother, we should honor them and have a, a reverential respect for them in their position, both inwardly, not guarding against uh, harsh opinions of them, and outwardly in uh, cooperating with their direction, uh, both in our word and our gesture. So we need to esteem them in their persons and in their place. Second way he says we honor them is by careful obedience. We need to listen to what they say. We need to pay attention <clears throat> to the directions they give, the commands they give, uh, the, the counsel and the love they give to us, and in, a, in obedience, comply with their commands. Uh, that's a way to honor our parents uh, by careful obedience. And then a third one of his suggestions is we honor our parents by relieving their wants. Uh, and <clears throat> parents... In their, when the children are young, they're devoting themselves to their children. They're caring for them. They're watching over them. They're providing for them. They're protecting them. They're caring for them. And what Thomas Watson is encouraging and reminding us of, but so when parents reach an age where they need to be cared for, it's a child's responsibility in honoring their parents to be a help. Now, that's going to look differently, and that's going to be different for every family and every situation. There are so many factors we couldn't lay down a rule that every family had to follow. But in the, in, before pensions, before um, Social Security or any of those provisions, the retirement plan of parents was children. They cared for them throughout their life and uh, hoped that their children would care for them. And Jesus Christ is a perfect example of this. When he was hanging on the cross, suffering the, uh, the uh, terrible pain of the crucifixion and the agony of the cross, what does he do? He looks at his mother and he says to his mother, behold your son, speaking to John. And he says to John, behold your mother. 
Even while he's hanging on the cross, he's concerned about the care of his mother. And one of the ways we honor our parents is by doing what we can and caring for them when they're in need and when they have concerns and that, that need to be worked on. Why did God give us this particular command? Well, one of the benefits would certainly be the order, the ordering and the orderliness of our society. The family is a, a bedrock a portion of uh, the, the stability of society. When families <clears throat> run well, societies run well. Uh, of course, in the specific command, it's that you might have long life. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Not only physically life, but the blessing of God would come upon them, upon you. Uh, turn to Proverbs for a moment and we'll look at a couple different passages there. Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs 3, verse 1. Proverbs 3, verse 1, where we're told this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. We've all learned this as we've grown older, older, but our parents actually know something. And... uh, They'll be able to tell us, you know, I, I tried that once. It doesn't work. Don't do that. There, there's wisdom in them. They can give us guidance. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1, Proverbs 4, 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. And then just down at verse 10, He says, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Well, Thomas Watson also has a few thoughts. That's the uh, we've looked at some of his comments to parents toward, I mean, excuse me, children toward parents. <clears throat> he says a few things of parents towards children. He says, be careful to bring them up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. It was Augustine who said that his mother, Monica, labored more fiercely over his spiritual birth than she had to over his physical birth. He, Watson continues to say, keep up your parental authority. In other words, govern your home with dignity. Uh, He says, both in 
Provide for your children both in their minority and in their maturity. And when they're grown, put them to some lawful calling wherein they may serve their generation. It was perhaps even more significant in that day. But the conversations we have with our children and young people about what they might do, college or work or career, but encouraging and helping them along the way. Uh, To be loving, but to be prudent with our children. In other words, to have a good balance of tenderness and discipline. Both are needed in a good relationship. Well, as we kind of think through all of these things, there are two two thoughts I want to put before you as we kind of bring this to a close. The first is, where do we see this perfectly exemplified? Well, it's not in any of our homes. Uh, All of our homes are imperfect because there's imperfect people living in the home. Where do we see the pattern, the example of this? Well, where we see it is in that wonderful relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the triune God. God the Father is the only perfect Father. He's the only one who does all things well. The rest of us, we do our best. And by God's grace, hopefully we're successful to some degree, but God's the only perfect father. He oversees and governs the lives of his children with perfect love, perfect tenderness, and when necessary, perfect discipline. We love our heavenly father. We see in him the perfect care of, of, of a parent. And so we long for that. We see that in him. But then you see with the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect son, the perfect child. There is no perfect children in our homes. We know that. We love our children. But they're sinners like we are. Jesus Christ said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Christ came as the obedient son to do the father's will, to glorify the father, to honor the father. And he was an obedient son to his earthly parents. We're told in Luke chapter two that he went down to Nazareth with them, with them and was obedient to them. He honored his earthly parents, but preeminently he honored his father. We see in that relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the triune God, the beautiful uh, realization, the beautiful display of this perfect love relationship between them. And the Father who does all things well and the Son who is obedient, even unto death. And in the work of Christ, we find in him our strength to follow the Lord in faith and obedience. Jesus Christ in his passive obedience laid down his life so that our sins might be taken away, that we could be forgiven. But he, by his active obedience as the perfect son, he is the one who fulfills this commandment. 
And he fulfills this commandment for you. You and I will always stumble. But the Father sees us through the Son. And he sees us as obedient children. Christ, like in the fourth commandment, he is the fulfillment of the the Sabbath. In him we find rest. Here, he's the fulfillment of this commandment. And in him we find our strength to walk in God's ways. So while we hear these commandments and seek to heed them, may we find our hope and our strength and our pattern in the work of God and keep our eyes on Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the wonder of your love. Thank you for this, the display of of grace and glory in, in you that we have come to know through Christ. We thank you for this guidance, how we might show our gratitude to you uh, for the great deliverance you have given us through from our misery and sin. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we in our our that we would have a Christ-centered focus, our attention upon Him, and see in Him our hope and our strength to walk in the ways that you are pleased with. That you might be glorified. Men would see our good deeds, but glorify you who is our Father in heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.